Welcome to Sustainonomics, the podcast in which we explore the future of a sustainable economy. Welcome to our third podcast episode of Sustainonomics and your hosts Nadine Strauss and Adele Desana. Hi Nadine, what topic are we going to discuss today and who's our guest? Today we are going to explore the role of central banks for sustainable finance. In particular, we will discuss an example from Brazil. Our guest is Vivian Torinelli, who I've gotten to know during the Sustainable Finance Foundation course at the University of Oxford last year in September. Vivian is also pursuing a PhD at the Central Bank of Brazil and will tell us a little bit more about her research today. That sounds really interesting. I'm looking forward to hear more about her PhD and your experience together at Oxford. If you listeners want to have more information about sustainonomics, you can listen to our first podcast where we introduced the aim of the project. But if you want to have more insights about sustainable finance, you can visit our website. On the content page, you will find different resources about sustainable finance. If you haven't done so, please also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. I welcome Vivienne. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more what's your background and where is your professional and academic background? For sure. Hi, Nadine. Hi, Adele. Hi, everyone who is listening to us. Thank you for the invitation to be here today. Nadine, I just need to state that what I say in this podcast today is my own opinion and do not represent any institutional position, okay? Thank you. To present myself, I'm a PhD candidate at Federal University of Bahia, Brazil, focused on sustainable finance and the management of international reserves by central banks. I co-founded BRASFI, a Brazilian research alliance on sustainable finance and investment. I'm also a member of the Innovation for Sustainability Chamber of the Salvador City Climate Change Panel. I'm a corporate governance professional with 20 years of experience in public and private sectors, including risk management and compliance areas, internal and external audit, M&A, and due diligence and controllers office with practice in Brazil and abroad. It's a, it's a huge pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for joining us in our podcast. Um, your profile <laughs> sounds very interesting and I think you can provide us with many insights and experiences from your past. We will touch upon some of the things that you mentioned now. And the first one is actually that I have gotten to know to you during the Sustainable Finance Foundation course at the University of Oxford. And I really enjoyed this course because for me, coming from communication science, This really gave me a good overview about the whole discussions about sustainable finance. And I remember that we had many talks from representatives from the industry, but also academics. And I think that was a really good course to get a broad overview, but at the same time also getting to know to other people from all around the world who are experienced in that field. So my first question is also to you. How did you like the course and uh, to what extent could you also use these learnings from the course, maybe in your PhD or also in your practical work? Yeah, for sure. It's also very good to talk about the Sustainable Finance Foundation course. It was no doubt a great experience. I agree with everything you just said. I would highlight the opportunity to become part of a global network of top professionals that are approaching sustainable finance investments from different perspectives, different countries, angles, professional 
sites. So it's pretty much unique. The intensive course program was very well organized with many of activities day and night and evening, including very interesting discussions. And it was possible to build closer and good relations despite of the short period of the residential workshop there in the University of Oxford. Our 2019 course group is still highly active, connected. We share information and news and discuss about specific topics with the whole group of separate groups. And it's up to now that we are in the middle of 2020s. So more than nine months after the course, we are already, we are still pretty much connected. And considering that information access is one of the most valuable assets nowadays, I have no doubt that this course delivers something really special to the group. And the group uh, makes possible to hear these global experts from all these different perspectives, understand how they feel, what's happening worldwide. It's pretty much unique. And also, for example, we have a book club to also discuss other sustainable finance books. So specific projects also that were created inside the BRIC group. So really interesting. About your question, eh, how I'm applying this to my study, they, after the residential course, um, it, the experience by, was followed by a capstone project. It, it's integrated to my PhD under development. So we end with possible implications in my work. So it's something that it was very useful. Yes, absolutely. I think so many things that you were saying, I agree with. And maybe we can also share the book recommendations on our website for Sustainonomics so our visitors can also learn from these insights. Uh, that would be great. Yeah, I think now we have a good overview how we gotten to know each other and also about the course in Oxford, which is very recommendable. So I said in the beginning that you, Vivi, are doing your PhD in collaboration with the Central Bank in Brazil. Um, that's super interesting. Um, I looked up what you're actually researching and you described that you are studying the exposure of international reserves that are managed by central banks to environmental risks. So in general, I think most of us know that the role of central banks is to manage currencies and monetary policies of state and also to make sure that the commercial banking system remains stable. But now with the emerging climate crisis and with climate change, maybe you as an expert can tell us a little bit more how this role of central banks is also shifting and um, does their role maybe also expand in light of climate risks? Yes, that in fact the financial sector should be at the center stage of the debate towards a more sustainable world due to the high volume of capital needed for the transition to a more sustainable economy as well as the exposure of the financial sector to the risks associated with this transition, despite of the physical events. That is a more long-term discussion, but more in the short and middle term, the transition effects deserve our attention. It's quite clear that the environmental events, once considered rare, are becoming more frequent, and we can see, we can feel it now, the economic impact of climate-associated events can be significant and uncertainty is an inherent attribute of such events. This new reality adds a layer of complexity to the outlook and enhances the importance of a globally coordinated discussion about the appropriate set of policy actions, the scenarios, so tools, 
to knowledge. <laughs> uh, timely and strong coordinated actions are part of the recipe to mitigate risks and the effects of these adverse events. Thus, the role of the central banks is crucial and may expand in light of eventual economic financial crises related to climate risks. I hope that it's clear my explanation briefly. <laughs> So I would like to follow up a little bit on that. Are there specific tools, because you mentioned there need to be knowledge and measures, are there specific tools that central banks could already apply now to fight climate risks? Or are they actually in a position to incentivize maybe also the financial markets or the economy to maybe work in a more sustainable way? Yeah, in fact, this network for green definition system, if you just Google the audience, the ones who are not aware, just Google it, you will see that there are a lot of reports, more than we can follow in a normal track, and sharing the common tools, frameworks, scenarios, discussions. It's, I think now this is getting stronger and putting the community together to discuss, improve, and start talking and acting in the same direction. So I looked at a recent paper of you that you published on ResearchGate. And in that paper, you talk about the fact that central banks are exposed to several environmental, physical and systemic risks as a result of climate change. Could you explain to our listeners what the main risks for central banks are related to climate change? And also to what extent are central banks already aware of these risks, maybe particularly from your experience in Brazil? These climate, physical, and transition risks, they are resulting in a range of financial risks. And this is not my words, it's common, common sense in the community which is studying the, the thematic. So environmental and climate challenges, they pose material risks for real economies and financial stability. Many economic sectors are strongly associated with climate material impacts as the energy and agriculture ones, and in this specific point, I have to, to look to Brazil and pay attention, for example, isn't it? The, the effect to the whole economy leads to a discussion of sovereign risks and stability. So, again, the connection to the role of central banks. And, of course, that besides the risks, there are many opportunities to be explored. Brazil, for example, has a very clean energy matrix, a huge opportunity to increase even more in this direction. It's also true that we have a very, very strong agro sector, one of the main exporters worldwide, many times the first one, which can fly even higher the sector, the agro one, if internalized strongly the ESG sustainability factors in the business, considering the demands of the international community need by Europe indeed, but not only. China also starts getting stronger in this thematic we see in investments and sure stronger every day more in consumption also in demands. Talking about again about the NGFS is it that NGFS accelerated the understanding of these climate risks by the central banks there are some challenges in the understanding of the transmission channels from climate risks to financial risks and to estimate all the impacts and all the probabilities in each region. And when I say each region, it's not only like Latin America, not only Brazil, but if you take the, the size of Brazil, for example, here in Salvador, where I live here in the north of the country, it's summer, pretty much hot. 
and where my mothers live in the south of the country, they expect that maybe it will have some snow in the city where I was born that is pretty much new, never happened in that city. So at the same time, so imagine how challenging it is to address climate risks in such huge country mm-hmm. and diverse. And also it's a challenge to appropriately address these risks to avoid, mitigate and transfer the material risks or even to adapt to new scenarios or to accept them, like adapt because we accept. But the good side is that each time we have less skepticals about the thematic. Um, All right, that sounds really cool. And so I also read your paper and I really like this model that you provided. And you also described there how central banks can strategically manage their asset allocation to deal with their climate risk exposure. In the paper, you also map out several areas uh, that should be taken into consideration. And um, without going too much into detail, maybe you could um, give some hands-on recommendations for central banks on how to manage environmental risks effectively. And maybe there are some steps that you can also recommend that should be implemented right away. Uh, recommend is strong. I don't think I have such <laughs> a property to just... Uh, it's, um, but, but let's about. <laughs> As we spoke before, climate, physical, and transition risks are resulting in a range of financial risks. And uh, the first thing I would say, an important one in my point of view, is that environmental risk analysis, the ERA, is still incipient in the financial investment sphere, and especially among central banks, especially outside Europe. <laughs> the main argument of my study is that environmental risk analysis should be included in their traditional approach for strategic asset allocation in central banks. And therefore, each viable portfolio should also be evaluated based on environmental risk analysis, considering scenarios of environmental risks along probabilities and potential impacts. And for these scenarios, we can go, for example, to the NEGFS published scenarios they just published now. The risk and return relationship of the portfolios in each scenario should be evaluated based on the environmental, physical, and transition factors. In addition to traditional international reserves framework, the central banks should also take environmental risks into account. The construction of the investment portfolio of the international reserves must then incorporate these results in the different angles that must be considered in the allocation among countries and instruments. A short example of how applying the framework is discussed here. Considering that you are in a developing country that imports oil, The central bank of this country performs a traditional strategic asset allocation and decides to invest in government bonds, agencies, and supranationals in an asset liability management approach. Furthermore, considering also that this central bank decides to have a small amount of international reserves invested in assets that are positively correlated to the oil prices in order to hedge its exposure to the commodity. An environmental risk analysis should consider the transition effects related to the climate change which may constrain the emission of CO2 by countries, reduce oil prices, and increase clean energy ones. In this case, the environmental risk analysis may show that the real exposure to the country's energy instead of oil prices, or even a sovereign or systemic exposure, maybe a currency exposure, depending on how technology, the financial flows, moves, considering these scenarios. 
Hence, the country may benefit more from investing in green energy than in oil, or even from splitting investment in both energy sources as a way of diversifying investments. Also, in some scenarios, some sovereign assets may be revalued, as well as some green ones. Of course, the discussion is not as simple, and this example is just, it's just to help to understand the application of the framework. I hope it's a little bit more clear. So we have been in contact in the last couple of weeks regarding our project Sustainonomics and the initiative that you are part of called Brasfe. Can you tell our listeners a bit more what Brasfe is about and um, what you do in this initiative and what your goals are? So the Brasfe is a Brazilian alliance of researchers and students dedicated to sustainable finance and investment, to SFI. It works as a satellite of interests. In Brasfe, uh, students and researchers Uh, form alliances, exchange experiences, research information, and can explore SFI opportunities together. It has a multidisciplinary nature, involves professors, researchers, PhD, master, and undergraduate students with accumulated experience from academia and practice. Uh, its objective, mainly, is to foster the SFI knowledge, sharing, developing studies, analysis courses, training, in addition to foster discussions, theoretical practical meetings related to the thematic. Also, BRASFI aims to stimulate the study identification proposal of strategies and alternatives for the financial and other economic sectors to move towards a sustainable economy. So, in, in this context, the BRASFI knowledge should cause a positive impact in Brazil ultimately in Latin America, but in Brazil. Preparing the academy, institutions, professors, students for this purpose is key for us. And also spreading this knowledge and helping the markets to apply it makes total sense to us. Further, it's important to connect Brazil with the world. So local sustainable initiatives, international funding. So everything in a, in a future direction, okay? It's really incipient, the concept in the group. We are 36 people now connected and many observers. Participants may be interested in all parts or only in some parts of everything I just said. For example, some participants may be only interested in the academic part or only in the market size and market applications. The research and the studies common. Maybe spin-offs companies may address what is interest to different parts of the groups. And we are looking for some meaningful, useful, interesting, and mainly impactful work. Our monthly webinars are connecting SFI players from the local financial sector so far with local businesses which are fostering sustainable innovation. In a second stage, we intend to amplify this to include international players from SFI segments, but then we need some, we have some translation issues that so we will need funding and so on so this is just local and just portuguese mm -hmm. the monthly webinars can be found in youtube brasfi channel and brasfi is pretty much new it started in april now 2020 and it's still under planning design phase but we are ambitious we deeply desire a profound and positive local impact our initiatives can be followed through brasfi profile in linkedin and in instagram so for the ones which are interested. And we are fully open to new ideas, support, partnerships. So please, the thing, fully open. <laughs> Thank you for the, the question, Nadine. Yeah, perfect. We have reached the end of our podcast. 
Thank you, Vivian, very much for being with us today and telling us more about the role of central banks for sustainable finance in Brazil. It was very informative getting to know a perspective from Latin America, because I think that nowadays all the discussion about sustainable finance are around Europe or the Anglo-Saxon areas in America. But before closing, we would still like to ask you one question. What are your next steps in your PhD? When can we expect another study? Or what are you working on at the moment? Yeah, at Zell, I'm now working the final adjustments required by the reviewers. In the journal, I submitted my first article from a PhD thesis. So I, I probably will submit the final version already adjusted now in August. And I'm also working in a book chapter towards strategic assets allocation and ESG factors that I have also to, to submit now. And two white papers must, be also be must also be produced on September. And my normal term to the PhD is January 2022. Up to this date, I have many more studies and contributions to deliver. I have uh, other specific objectives that I will have to address. But then they, they are more quantitative ones, tests of risk return and ESG uh, optimization, considering central banks' specific type of portfolio and challenges towards this. So a lot of things to do. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> and uh, that's Nadine again. Thank you very much for the invitation today, for this opportunity. I wish you all the success in sustainonomics to the team in a better world to all of us. <laughs> Imagine all. <laughs> so stay safe. We will try to stay safer. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And um, thank you for our listeners uh, for tuning in again today. And we hope to see you next time again on Sustainonomics when we talk with Chris McHugh about sustainability and uh, teaching and um, maintaining an institute for sustainable finance.